as one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Into the republic for which it stands. The Democratic National Committee is located in the Watergate office building. The burglars forced a stairwell door, then taped its latch open. Well, I'm not a crook. I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. One nation under God. This is as close as we can get to the base of the World Trade Center. And you can see the two towers, a huge explosion now raining debris on all of us. We better get out of the way. Good Lord, there are no words. Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Title IX, the landmark civil rights law. It marked a watershed moment for women's rights when it passed in 1972. And the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade. Legal Anatomy of Current Events, preparing for launch. Legal Anatomy of Current Events, launch sequence started. D-16, IU green to go, propellants pressurized. T minus 15, legal anatomy of current events. SC ready and green to go. T minus 14, FOS ready, green to go. T minus 12, S1C fuel tank pressurized. T minus 11, SC green to go. Legal anatomy of current events, green to go. T minus 10, internal power, green to go. LES ready for ignition. T minus 9, 8, 7. We have ignition. Five, four, commit for launch. Green, three, two, one. We have liftoff. Repeat, we have liftoff. Legal anatomy of current events, all for you. Now, on the air, target locked. Good morning, America. Here we go. Gary Bell, Brad Pollock, our law firm is Bell and Pollock. And this is your Legal Anatomy of Current Events podcast. The show today, in the news. Student loan cancellation. Where have you heard that before? Student loan cancellation. And what's all the fuss about? We're going to cover that today in our show, and we're going to explain it to you and tell you what's happening, break it down for you, give you the legal components, the legal anatomy of that. And we're going to anatomize your mind today on student loan cancellation. You know that's in the news. It's now before the United States Supreme Court. There are multiple briefs before filed before the Supreme Court, and we're going to cover those with you. We've read them all. We're going to break it down in simple, easy-to-understand terms so you can get a grasp of the legal analysis and make up your own mind what you want to do or what you think about this entire process. A little bit of review. Our last podcast, our last show was on executive orders of the president of the United States. They can be very powerful. You know, we have the Congress, we have the courts, right? We have the legislature, we have the the judiciary, we have the three branches of government, as we say. But here's an instance where the president, any president, and as you know, this is not a political show, any president can issue an executive order, and they're supposed to do it in furtherance of an existing law. That's how they couch it. That's how they frame it. That's where they get their power to do it. In other words, the president doesn't just have inherent power in the under the Constitution or other laws to ex- issue executive orders. So he or she has to grab onto an existing law and issue an executive order that's, quote, in furtherance, end quote, of that existing law. And that's how they do it. 
And we covered with you last time the ins and outs. We're not going to repeat all of that show, but we're going to give you a brief background to funnel into and come into the subject of President Biden's cancellation of student loans and what the history has been. It's kind of a fascinating history. But as you know, this is a legal show. Uh, we're not, we don't take political sides, but we sure cover hot political topics. And then you can make up your own mind. Now, it, we, we covered before in last week's show that the, the executive orders, like in World War II, the president issued an executive order that basically, you know, set aside prison camps, if, if, for lack of a better term, for 120,000 Japanese Americans. We showed you that there was an executive order to seize United States steel mills, Right. Executive order for that, and it's going to become relevant later. And there were executive orders issued by President Eisenhower uh, to take over the National Guard, I think, in Missouri uh, when there were when there were riots, etc. So the powers can be very broad, very sweeping, or they can be narrow. And so that's kind of a review of what we did before. Remember, there's nothing in the United States Constitution that says or gives a president an executive power or executive order power. Nothing. It's silent. So it has to be kind of derived from other language, and I'm not going to get into that now, but that's the genesis of it. That's where it comes from, right? So now, fast forward to what's in the news. What's in the news today? Student loan cancellations. And there's a vicious attack on both sides. And one side says, yes, we can do it. The other side says, no, you can't do it. So we all know that. We heard that. But what's the legal basis? What's the legal analysis? Right, So it all starts with the HEROES Act. The HEROES Act was passed after 9-11-2001. You know, the attack on our country, the attack on our World Trade Centers, etc. In 2003, Congress passed the uh, HEROES Act. And that's what the subject is. That's where this all this controversy uh, comes from. Right? In 2007, it became a permanent law. Right? It became a permanent law. But listen to this. It became a permanent law by a voice vote. Usually there's some written documentation. So in 2007, the HEROES Act became permanent law, right? And the argument now is despite the fact that the HEROES Act was passed, it's never been used. Now, that's the argument now. It's never been used for wars. It's never been used for Hurricane Katrina. It's never been used for Hurricane Harvey. It's never been used to cancel a military person's debt which is what the HEROES Act was supposed to do, help military people. It's never been used to cancel a a military person's debt, much less a civilian's debt. And that's what's the issue before the United States Supreme Court, right? And so the HEROES Act was, was designed to help military men and women who were deployed to give them a break on their student loans and other benefits while they were deployed. Sort of a deferment, right? Think of it as a deferment. Didn't cancel the program like now and what's being proposed now. It just gave a deferment. But the language of the HEROES Act is, is very powerful. I want you to listen to this. Rarely do I quote on this show, but I'm going to quote, right? And so it talks about major policy decisions, and it talks about the legislation. Under the HEROES Act, the Secretary of Education, quote, may waive or modify any statutory provision applicable to student financial assistance that he or she deems necessary. The Secretary of Education may, quote, waive or modify, 
Hang on to those words. If you think about reading the statute, they can waive it. They can waive it. And they say that's what they're doing. They're waiving the student loans for not only military people, but also for, for civilians. And so I'm going to go through the arguments with you today, but that's the history. That's the basis, right? That's the basis of having the, uh, the HEROES Act and the student loan situation. Now, one of the major arguments here is, and it gets into a lot of finite, detailed, kind of boring constitutional law, but I'm going to try to make it interesting for you. One of the major issues here is, is they call it a major questions doctrine. What does that mean? A major questions doctrine. Well, in the history of our country under the Constitution, when there has been a major question in our country, and they call it the major questions doctrine, when there's been a major question on this issue, that issue, this issue, then it defaults back to the big branch of government, like the legislature, like the Congress. And that's one of the arguments here, that this is a major, major questions issue, meaning canceling student loans, right? It's a major question, and it's a major issue, and therefore we're going to invoke the major questions doctrine, and therefore only the Congress has the right to do this, and it's never been happened before. So the president doesn't have the power to do this, and the secretary of education doesn't have the power to do it. But remember, an executive order is an order by the president of the United States that directs an administrative agency of the government to do something or not do something. And in this case, it's an executive order to make the secretary of education cancel student loans. And so you're going to hear today one of the arguments. I mean, we're talking about $440 billion to $600 billion or more. And depending on how you twist that, and depending on how the politicians twist it, it could be more money than that. And so we'll cover that in, in, in briefly today. But that sets the groundwork for what we're going to talk about today in our podcast, right? Executive orders to cancel student loans. And don't forget at the end of our show, Right, we're always having a little fun at the end of our show. Every week, we are going to do the American idiom of the day. That's always cool. And we're going to do the quote of the day. That's pretty cool, too. So you want to hang around for that, and we're going to get through the subject, and then we're going to get to the American idiom of the day and the quote of the day. All right, so let's get down to it. Many briefs have been filed here, and they're all technical. So I'm not going to cover every technical point, even though we've been over all the briefs. But you get briefs from different entities. How does that work in the United States Supreme Court? It's called amicus curiae briefs. That's a bunch of fancy legal words for friends of the court. Well, what's that, Gary, Brad? What's, what friends of the court? Friends of the court means we want to file a brief with, with you, Mr. and Mrs. Court. could be in the state court, but this is the United States Supreme Court. We want to file a brief with you, and we got an interest in this issue because we are organization XYZ, and Organization XYZ has an interest, so we want permission to file a brief. And usually, on a very major subject, the Supreme Courts of states and the country grant permission to have uh, friends of the court, that's what it's called, amicus curiae, friends of the court to file briefs and state their position. So, the first one that did that is called the New Civil Liberties Alliance. And they filed a brief in the United States Supreme Court arguing their position against student loan cancellation, right? And what do they argue? They argue basically that under the Constitution of the United States, this is a legislative function, that the, the, the Congress has the power of the purse. The Congress does, not the president. And therefore, the president can't issue an executive order because the president does not have the power of the purse. We, the Congress, have the power of the purse. And so, and it goes back to the United States Constitution. Interesting language. I'll leave that for law school someday. 
but you can argue both sides. You can look at it. You can look at the history of it. But it basically says that the legislative powers will be vested in Congress, and Congress shall not modify, waive, or transfer these powers. And they're saying that's what's happening, is that the president has just assumed that he can do this and is going to do it. And then I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question right now. And the rhetorical question is, did a previous president in our country, recent times, do anything similar? Did President Trump, before President Biden, do anything with student loans? What's your answer? All right, we're going to come back, and I'm going to teach you about that, right? So now we got the civil, new Civil Liberties Alliance group arguing that student loans cannot be canceled, right? And that the interpretation of the HEROES Act to let the student loans be canceled violates, another argument, technical argument, violates the appropriations clause of the Constitution. What does that mean? That means that there's a clause in the Constitution that deals with appropriation of money. And the argument is that the appropriation of money comes from the Congress. Look at it this way. The Supreme Court can't appropriate money, right? Although I think people probably argue that they do by their decision, but they can't. And the president can't appropriate money, right? And I think the argument can be made that they do in the past. So one of the arguments in the New Civil Liberties Alliance is a, is it's the appropriation clause. It's a Congress's function to do this, and the president cannot cancel student loans. Now, I'm going to do a little aside here, okay? In the history of our country, there has been times when student loans have been deferred. Hang on to that word, deferred. Not canceled, though. This is the first time somebody says we're just going to cancel them and wipe them out. And, and so I'm going to come back to President Trump in a minute, right? And so th there was another part of the HEROES Act that said to people that, listen, if you work for a state government and you have a student loan or you work for the federal government, then special provisions apply to you, right, under the HEROES Act, under, under student loans. Special provisions apply to you. And if you, if you make 10 years of payment, then it's all forgiven. And so now the, the new Civil Liberties Alliance is arguing, well, that is just wiped away. I mean, people that work for the state government or federal government relying on the fact that they could get rid of their debt in 10 years, they got a special benefit, a specific special benefit under the HEROES Act statute just became was wiped away because President Biden has now said we're going to forgive and can cancel all student loans. Okay, the next group up is called the Hamilton-Lincoln Law Institute. Hamilton Lincoln Law Institute, and they have filed their own brief as friends of the court. I taught you what that means, okay? And it, it, they they said that the Heroes Act only allows the Secretary of Education to waive or modify. You remember those words from a minute ago? Only allows the Secretary of Education to waive or modify student loans for affected individuals, certain individuals described in the statute, certain individuals only. And that everybody in America that has a student loan doesn't come under this definition of affected individuals, and therefore they don't qualify, and therefore you cannot cancel their loans. What's the definition of an affected individual? When you dig into the statute, it's, it's really interesting. Affected in, individuals are all people who are in the military, with one exception. So the argument is that you can't cancel student loans except for affected people, and there's five definitions of affected people, four of them which apply to the military. So then where does the authority come for the president to cancel student loans for the American citizen that's not in the military? And that comes from the, from the rule and regulation and statute that says the person suffered a direct economic hardship, a direct economic hardship, I'm paying back a student loan, 
as a direct result of war, well, that doesn't apply, or other military operations, that doesn't apply, or, or they suffered a direct economic hardship because of a national emergency. There's the words. So then any president and their lawyers that know what they're doing, they glom on to the word national emergency to say that under the HEROES Act, everybody that was affected by a national emergency is an affected person, and therefore I can cancel the loans, right? And what's the national emergency? What was the national emergency declared? It was COVID-19. And so there, let's get back to President Trump. President Trump's even more interesting legally. Because you've heard us talk about executive orders, right? Well, he didn't think he needed to issue an executive order, so he didn't. He did something different. Surprise. He issued a memorandum. What's that? That's not an executive order. Well, he, he called it a memorandum, but it really is an executive order, in my opinion. He called it a memorandum, and what did he do? President Trump issued the memorandum, parentheses, executive order, closed parentheses, issued the executive order to defer payments back. For everybody. So so he didn't call it an executive order. He called it a mem- memorandum to defer the payments. Now, you fast forward where President Biden wants to cancel, cancel all of them. So when I'm, I'm giving you the arguments, okay, I've talked about the major question uh, doctrine. It's a major question, therefore, it should fall to the legislature. And in the mix of all this, as well, you would know, right, when you have litigation, which there is, because the president got sued by all these groups to, to stop him, from canceling student loans, got sued. Well, there's a bunch of emails and memos that got discovered. Wouldn't you know? You would know. It always happens. The downfall of almost everybody in, in critical cases are their emails, texts, messages, Instagrams, right? Then nobody's ever going to learn. So I'm not going to go through all those, but there was a, there was a memo for Betsy DeVos. Uh, she was under the, the Republican uh, administration. And now there's memos from James Caval under the Democratic administration very fascinating reading. All right, the third group that filed for a friend of the court brief was Americans for Prosperity Foundation. And they said, you must uphold the Congress's legislative power has the power of the purse. You must uphold separation of powers. And you cannot give the president the power and authority of the purse strings to cancel four, five, six billion dollars of student debt. You can't do it. And this is a matter of great political importance. Ma- they said there was mass student debt cancellation. And uh, I'm sorry, I said four or five billion. They, their claim is $450 billion to $600 billion. It could reach over a trillion dollars depending on how you, you tweak it. And they say it fails the major questions doctrine, which I've already covered with you. Okay, then their major argument is there's nothing specific in the, in the act that gives the Secretary of Education the power. It's all general. It's all this. And then they say it's never been done in the history of the United States, ever been done. You never have canceled it. You've deferred it, but you've never canceled it, right? And so they, th- their whole argument is on look at the history, look at the mismatch between student debt cancellation and the Department of Education's assigned mission. So the whole fight boils down to, right, is the HEROES Act, its language, and the opponents say it doesn't even contain the word cancellation, but it does contain the word wave. They say it doesn't contain the word discharge or forgiveness, but it does say you can modify or wave. That's the fight. And that fight is before the United States Supreme Court right now. And so I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast on student loan cancellation. 
Last week, we talked about emergency uh, executive orders by the president of the United States and how they've been used. And so uh, before we go, though, I want to tell you that they say it's going to cost $450, $600 billion or more, maybe up a trillion. But ask yourself the question, in World War II, when we had an executive order from the president that put 120,000 Japanese Americans in camp, did that cost any money? Was that wrong? It happened. When President Eisenhower wanted to seize um, the National Guard in Missouri, did that cost money? And so there's arguments both ways. I hope that we've enlightened this issue for you. I hope that we've given you the, uh, the information you need to anatomize your mind. That's what we call it, the legal anatomy of current events. And we hope that we have given you the information that you can appropriately make up your own mind. Now, the fun part of the show, let's go to our American idiom, right? I want you to tell me, this is a great one, our American idiom. I want you to tell me what a hissy fit is. What's a hissy fit? Come on. <laughs> a hissy fit. And that's a great American idiom. So-and-so threw a hissy fit. That's to really get upset and to show it. I think you've got to demonstrate it as well as, as well as do it. And then our quote of the day comes from none other than Lucille Ball. I really love this quote. You're going to love it. I hope you do. It's, I'd rather regret the things that I have done than the things that I have not done. I'd rather regret the things that I have done than the things that I have not done. All right, Gary Bell, Brad Pollock. Our law firm is Bell & Pollock. We're located in Denver, Colorado. We try to bring you the current anatomy and legal anatomy of current events every week. We try to break it down into its component parts for you to make it easy to understand so you can make up your own mind, uh, politically and otherwise, and we're glad to do it. We'll see you next week.